Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Hey, welcome back, everybody. From time to time here on the program, we like to take the time to recognize those who give of themselves and truly make a difference in the lives of others. I found somebody who has spent decades in professional training, coaching, uh, I, it'll take me a long time to go through all of his achievements, but it goes on to education and and so much more. And we're going to get to that. We make him one of our professionals of the year. He is Kenneth William Ritchie joining us now. Kenneth, welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much. Wonderful to have you here. If I were to, if I were to run into you, let's say we walked in an elevator and I said, Kenneth, when you look back at your career, I know you've done a lot. But what what stands out for you is the 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 you know whether it's coaching, educating, what really stands out for you? I think looking back and um, hoping that the decisions made and the actions taken had a lasting positive benefit on people with developmental disabilities as individuals and their families. And it shows when we take a look at some of the. Some of the achievements, some of the awards, the accolations you've gotten, uh, recipients of an award from the American Red Cross, you've gotten recognition from the, uh, I think it was Wright State University Department of Psychiatry, uh, so much more, Distinguished Service Award for uh, Developmental Disabilities, and that was uh, you know maybe 25 years ago, and I mean, on and on and on. Um, what... What made you gravitate toward helping those with disabilities? Well, I, I, to be honest about it, uh, and frank with you, I, I sort of fell into it by accident. Uh, to be to be frank, I graduated college and, and needed a job in the 60, late 60s. And the opportunity that presented itself was teaching high school students with a developmental disability. At that time, it was called special education. And um, I took the job uh, because I didn't want to move from where I was living at that moment. And that morphed into a 43-year career. Um, little did I know at that time that it would end up there. But, but that was the beginning, t- teaching students with special needs, getting to know them, their families, uh, and, and in particular, learning what they needed to try to be successful in the job market at that time. I I believe it. It sounds like it went in. It it appeared in your your life, and it resonated with you to the point where you wanted to take it in other directions and really focus. Go on that path to helping people uh, that deal with those challenges. Absolutely, uh, but of course, it was a step at a time. I didn't see the future when I, when I took my first teaching position. Uh, in Pennsylvania. So that was a starting point that um, led me toward a, a graduate degree from the University of Virginia and another from the University of Dayton uh, to enhance my uh, certification and skills to better serve individuals with special needs and their families. Wonderful. Wow. Uh, if there's a pinnacle moment in your life, what would it be? Was it an award? Was it somebody you worked with? Uh, anything that, when you think back, and we're going decades here, um, anything that really stands out in your mind? Uh, several things, yes. Uh, one was some of the families, as I stayed in the career and got more involved, getting to know families who had a child or an adult with a special need 
and what wonderful people they were. Uh, having several people on the boards that I reported to who I just admired and respected for what they were and what they stood for as role models. Um, and then the ability uh, through the uh, support of Governor Taft when I worked for Governor Taft in Ohio uh, to pass an abuser registry bill for the state of Ohio, which was one of the first in the country at that time. Um, I was able to pass a second bill when I moved to New Jersey for the same thing. But the point being with the abuser registry, it was a light, lasting way to protect people from those that had betrayed their trust, either taking their money or something worse. Uh, I, w I would say those are the you know big things. You know, we were able to pass a lot of legislation in Ohio to to revise Medicaid, to better serve people with disabilities, and that's always grateful. Uh, we were able to um, enable uh, individuals with disabilities uh, to have more independence in their life, them and their families, in choosing the services that were important to them and that they needed. So I, I would say those are the things that were that stood out. And the other the other thing that stood out to me, and it's been everywhere I've worked, uh, was getting to know the other people that worked with me, uh, whether they were other superintendents or other teachers or administrators or, or whatever, um, and and how concerned many of them were in making people making serve people with disabilities a, a career for them and one they believed in and, and, and lived their life through, you know, be it, be it with, be volunteering on weekends in addition to being paid Monday through Friday. So those would be the things that, would, that I would look back on. Wow. I know that you, um, you were at Shippensburg University. Uh, so you attended or did you teach there? I attended Shippensburg and got an undergraduate degree, and that's where I was living when I was able to get my first uh, teaching position at Shippensburg Area School District in the high school. Wow. I, it's so coincidental, or maybe not. I, I know somebody that uh, was, for a long time, uh, since retired, taught geography, uh, William Rents at that university. So it's fun. when I see it, it's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it doesn't pop up that often. Uh, so how, how interesting. I want to ask you, get, get a little bit, a little bit personal here for, for just a moment. And people that uh, were instrumental in your life. Now, uh, anybody that stands out for you, a mentor, anybody, uh, you know, a, a colleague that um, really, really made their mark on you? Absolutely. Um, there were three that, that I worked with who were actually board members when I worked in Dayton, Ohio, and they were on the board that uh, actually hired me. And the three were Dr. Roberta Weaver, Dr. Rodney Hammond, and Mr. John Pratt. The three of those were just phenomenal, unique individuals. Um, and um, I just respected the heck out of them because they, they, they cared, but they, they were good, honest, straightforward people and were great, great mentors to me. Uh, it's great to hear. Uh, you don't hear that that often in just even those words that uh, people have helped along the way. When you look at what's going on in our society now, when it comes to those with disabilities, what's missing? Be it the the mentality that we have when we view other people, uh, programs. What do you think are like? Like, let's call it the top three things that need to change for be people to get. 
uh, either the services they need or the understanding of what's going on now? Um, good question. Uh, the three that would stand out to me, uh, one is for those that had the need, the uh, ability to get mental health services. Uh, we're still struggling that as a country how to serve people with mental health needs. And I'm certainly not suggesting that everybody with a developmental disability also needed mental health, because that's not true. But there was a segment that we would call dual diagnosed. And those are the ones I'm referring to that, that had a need in addition to educational and other supports, uh, support for mental health issues. Them and their families, because this, this is not an isolated thing. Uh, I think the um, second thing that we need is we still need to get the commitment to supporting people in community settings. Um, I don't believe 15 people living together with development disability is the greatest thing in the world. I know there's other opinions on that, but I think as, as, much, as much, much as we can, uh, we need to try to have people in the neighborhoods of the community uh, and be accepted in those environments. Um, as long as they're safe environments for everybody, including the neighbors, certainly. Uh, I think the third thing is, you know, in the continuous effort to recruit more people to teach and be professionals in the field, um, we're having a teacher shortage nationally across the country. Uh, mm. People are being recruited now that are not professionals and may become professionals, but that was not their training. Uh, and so we certainly need more uh, help with getting people in the field that have a, will stay in the field to, to teach people the disability. Uh your audio is a little bit low. I think you might be on a speakerphone and maybe a little further away from the phone uh, than you were a few minutes ago. Um, and thank you for it. I heard you, but I just want to make sure I have you have you clear again. Uh, I know that your daughter was a big inspiration in your life. And uh, I, I want to talk about that, if we may, right now, and, and that journey with her. Certainly. Um, our, Nancy, my wife and I, our daughter, Erin, um, was born with a developmental disability, and now I was already in the field when that occurred, and my wife, Nancy, was also involved in special education through her father, who was a state superintendent uh, in, in Pennsylvania of an institution with people with special needs. So we coincidentally had those ties that we didn't know at the time we met. But when Aaron came along and had, a special, had special needs, um, even though we were professionals, it's different when you're the parent. Uh, so, you know, and so she was a child with her daughter working, and um, as you know, uh, she was killed in an auto crash when she was seven years old. Mm. And, um, so sorry. Well, thank you. And, and what came out of that uh, was that uh, we developed, my wife and I, and people where I worked, so it was not just my wife and I by herself, but people like people like Judy Leisure and others who worked to develop an awards program that the, uh, was then called the Montgomery County Board of uh, Mental Retardation and Development Disabilities, soon changed to Montgomery County Board of uh, Development Disability Services. But the board, and I was one time your superintendent, and that was an honor for me, um, but they supported the awards program, and we've been doing it every year for about 34 years in a row. So what we do every year is seek nominations, and the board still helps us amazingly on this. We could not do it without their support. 
but we seek nominations in the community and the region of Dayton, Ohio, not area, Montgomery County. Uh, my wife and I review them, select who we think are the, should be the winners, review them with the board to make sure we didn't miss something. Uh, examples of the categories of the awards, we look for community employers who serve and employ people with disabilities. We look for other community organizations that have gone out of their way to support people with special needs and their families. We look for families um, who have gone over and above in working with their son or daughter. We look for professionals, for teachers, for administrators who have also done extraordinary work in serving people with special needs. Uh, and we've been proud of the fact that even during the pandemic, we did the awards program, but we did it virtually. Uh, and my wife has never missed a pro one of the programs in all that time, and I've only missed one. So we've clearly made it a commitment to support um, the program, as has the, as had the Montgomery County Board of Development Disability Services, which I, again, always appreciate because we could not do this alone. And we're, we're obviously amazed every year in reading the nominations to learn um, what are some of the most wonderful things that, you know, that people have done to help others. And you don't know that because they're not usually publicized. And we've, I've never counted how many people over the 34 years, but I'm sure it's well over 100, 200. I'm not, I don't know the exact number. But it's just, it's proud to recognize people who have uh, given of themselves to others. And that's why we're talking with you today. <laughs> Quite honestly, <laughs> Kenneth, uh, what a journey. I, I wonder, do you think that the universe and some believe that things happen for a reason that you were already involved in helping those with developmental disabilities, challenges, and you're already doing that. And then your daughter was born and then she had some challenges as well. Um, do you think that 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 whole situation maybe happened the way it, it it should have in that regard, where you were that you you were already fully armed to help her along the way there in the beginning? Well, first of all, you're, you, when it's your child, you're not fully fully you're not fully prepared. Well, better better prepared. Uh, I'm sorry. I and, and, and I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I should have rephrased that. I'm right there with you. Yeah, I, I I mean it was it was very difficult news in the beginning to hear. Of course, because you you want your child to be able to. It, it, you know, do the most they can, the most success they can. Yeah. But she was a delightful little girl, and boy, she had um, assistance about her and a sense of humor and a smile that you'll never forget. Mm. Um, I don't know about being preordained or anything like that. I, um, From my perspective, you know, when it's your child, my wife and I went through the same sort of grieving, so to speak, and the sort of acceptance, uh, and we went to parent support groups, even though I was a professional, so was my wife. Because when it's your own child, it, it's, it's a different situation than sitting down with somebody else's parent, some, some other parent with their child. So, so I mean, I, I don't know about the preordained part. I probably would say I, I'm not sure. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that and, and your viewpoint on that. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're never prepared for things like that. Um, it's interesting how life life goes where you and your wife continue to help people with challenges along the way. Um, a lot of awards. Um, Department of Psychiatry 
You received one in 2005, Wright State University. Um, the psychiatry area, connect that for me. Now, there's, you, you, in terms of um, rehabilitation and as an advocate, how does that all come into play with your career? Well, not so much my career, but in, in general, we were working with Wright State University uh, and other places um, to um, give training opportunities to pre- people being trained at Wright State and places like that mm. so they had a better grasp of how to serve uh, people with special needs in my field. So when they came across them in the community, it wouldn't be like a first time and they, they would have a better handle of how to, how to deal with it. Uh, so we did the same with local police departments in Oakland, Oakland, and Kettering, Oakland and Kettering, uh, Dayton, Ohio area, so that the police, when they were called to an emergency, would have a better handle on what it meant and how to deal with a person with special needs, uh, so you wouldn't have a tragic outcome of uh, what was meant to be a, a call of support and help. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, we worked hard with those. It was, so organizations or a university like Wright State they do what needed to be done. And, you know, and my wife and I, as you probably know, or I don't know, may not know, we're still involved even now that I'm well retired, as is my wife in the, in this area. My, my wife is involved in therapeutic horseback riding with kids and adults with special needs. And I've been fortunate enough to be on three, uh, three organizations as a, uh, as a board member the school district, school uh, charter school in New Jersey, that um, is serving people, serving kids with special needs, and I'm proud to be on a, a residential board called ADAPT, and the other board is called the Titus Public Academy, and, and the ADAPT organization is developing group homes in community set in community settings for people with special needs. Uh, the other thing I've been involved with it for many years, over 12 now, is CASA as a court-appointed special advocate. And there I'm a hands-on volunteer with a case assigned to me by the courts of New Jersey. And I visit the child monthly. And my background helps immeasurably because most of these children, not in the case I'm in now, but in most cases, some of the kids have special needs that are in foster care. And I visit the child, write a court report, testify in court, which I'm going to do tomorrow on a case I'm involved with. And... Um, my background helps me when I hear from professionals that say what can or can't be done to know what can or can't be done. So, you know, we've never really left the field, although we're not paid now, but we don't care. We're just happy helping others. That is so wonderful. And I, I believe uh, what your your wife is doing now, I think it's called Gestalt, and I've learned quite a bit about it and how horses can be so therapeutic and so healing for those with disabilities. Uh, it's amazing. And uh, thank you for all of that, you and your wife, what you guys do, especially, you know, you being an advocate for, for children that might be in foster care, uh, dealing with those challenges. Ahead of you, what do you, what's on your radar? You guys are, you got a full plate now, even in your retirement. What's on, what's on your radar? Anything floating out there that, yeah, you know what? I, I, I want to do that or I want to help in that area. Um, I want to, I want to do it more with the boards I'm on now to help them. Uh, so that, uh, down the road, uh, the, the Academy and the, um, adapt program can expand to serve more people because the, the need is overwhelming for community services here in New Jersey or in Ohio or whatever state it might be. 
uh, helping serve people in, in, in programs that meet their needs that are uh, maybe smaller but in more community-like settings. So I, I see myself, and it's certainly I see myself staying with CASA for quite a while. I've been there now since 2011. So I'm, you know, very, very happy working with one child or a couple of children in a family setting. So I expect me doing that in the near future. A final thought on that, on CASA. Do they, is it a different child that uh, you have, uh, I guess, assigned to you every month? Uh, is that how it works? No. Um, when you accept a, a role as a volunteer and you have to go through training, I, I had to go through 30 hours of training despite of my career, mm. uh, to do it and had to do a, you know, background check, a uh, federal background check. Um, but when, you, when you're assigned a case, you may be with that case for a year or five years. So you, and you follow the child in all their environments. So I'll give you an example. Uh, obviously, I can't use any personally identifying information. Sure. But I, I had a, a little girl who's, unfortunately, her mother abandoned her. And she was in foster care. And from the time I started that case to the time I was finished, and it was about four years, maybe three and a half, uh, because of some moves that had occurred that weren't her fault, uh, during the time I knew her from the beginning to the end, everything changed. She had moved to a different neighborhood, different school setting, different counselors, different caseworkers, different services. And uh, I was the only, only constant in the life. And I, you know, but again, I was not in a big brother, big sister program. I was a court advocate. So I, I, I visited for a particular reason, so I didn't take her out. We, we don't take them out alone. We meet with them in, in the family home, wherever they're in the foster placement, meet with their foster parents. And then sometimes we meet alone to talk to them about if they are able to, about what's going on. But I think the fact that with CASA in particular, um, once we're assigned to the case, if everything works out, uh, we're there to the child is at least as, to the best of our ability because we can only advocate for services. The judge makes a decision, but at least in our case, doing the best we can to make sure the child is safe and healthy. That is wonderful. You are, you are their advocate. You're their, I mean, short of everything here, almost like a guardian for these children right along the process. What a wonderful program uh, to have somebody like you there with them uh, pretty much uh, every step of the way for a very long period of time until they, they get settled where their, their destination is going to be. That's amazing. Uh, Kenneth, fantastic talking with you today. Uh, congratulations on all your achievements and, uh, and thank you for the, the work that you've done along the way thus far in, in helping those with challenges. Uh, joy talking with you, and uh, thank you for, for being a, a member of our Professional of the Year. Well, thank you very much, and I appreciated your questions and the interview. Thank you. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila, she, she has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. 
Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.